I want to ask you to think about a moment that you just had to celebrate. You found out you were pregnant. Maybe your wedding day. Maybe you won a great sporting event or a child or a grandchild. You watched and there was just like a, the, you know, the game winning shot or the final touchdown. And you're just like, even if you're like kind of a reserved kind of a person, you were like, and then the front row, you're not reserved, but some of the other folks there. But even if you're a reserved kind of a person, um, you know, even if you're reserved, you were like, yeah. And then you're like, oh, I got a little excited there. But uh, you just, you know, what, you know, that, that moment where you got the new job, uh, a, a child graduated who you thought you'd never make it through. And you're just like, woo, you know, a child finally moved out, whatever it was that you just, you were, you were able to, you just were like, yes, victory, right? One of those moments. Well, that's Ascension Sunday. Ascension Sunday is a time of incredible, I call it excessive celebration. You know, in some sports, if, if, a, if somebody gets a touchdown or, or has a play and they over-celebrate, they get fined for excessive celebration. But Ascension Sunday is a Sunday of, ascension, uh, of absolute celebration. And most people don't know that. I was talking with one of your uh, tech people before the service, and I, I said, you know, you know how at Christmas, how excited you get? Go, oh, yeah, yeah. So you know how at Easter, how excited you get? Oh, yeah, yeah. So you know how on Ascension Sunday, how excited you get? And it's just like that. <laughs> it's like, well... It's essential. But after today, I hope that you're, you're just going, I get it. And somebody says Ascension Sunday and you go, woo! And you, and you get excited about it because we're going to think about what that means. So here's what I want to invite you to do with me. Will you follow the storyline of Jesus' first coming? The Bible teaches that Jesus had a first coming and there will be a second coming. All right, But in the first coming of Jesus, it goes like this. The, the, first, the first time Jesus came, it begins with the Incarnation. That Jesus is, is born, he's enfleshed. That the second person of the Trinity, God, eternal God, Jesus Christ, the glorified Son, came and was born, came and entered a virgin's womb. And from that moment was the beginning of the first coming. And then he's born. In our church year, that's Christmas. We celebrate Christmas. The incarnation, the coming of Jesus. Then there's the life of Jesus. For about 33 years, Jesus lived a life where he taught, he did miracles, no sin, honored the Father every step of every day, and lived a perfect life with no sin. And then, in our church here on Good Friday, Jesus went to the cross. And the perfect Lamb of God, God in human flesh, Jesus took nails through his wrists and nails through his feet. And he took our shame, and he took our punishment, and he took our pain, and he took our sin, and he took our guilt, and he destroyed it, and he said, it's finished, and he paid the price. Praise God, right? So we, so we sell, so that, and that's, that's Good Friday, the death of Jesus. Then they bury him in the tomb, and for one day he's dead, and for two days he's dead, and on the third day... Jesus, who was dead, is now alive again. We call that the, the Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday. And everybody says Easter Sunday, he says, amen. He's risen. He's risen indeed. And then, now we're still in the, in the first coming of Jesus, right? From his incarnation through his life to his death on the cross till he's buried three days. He rises again. And then for 40 days, Jesus goes around and teaches. He shows up with individuals, with small groups, with large groups. He shares meals. He's indoors. He's outdoors for 40 days. The reason that Ascension Sunday is 40 days after Easter is because Jesus walked on this earth for 40 days after he rose. And then after 40 days of walking on this earth, Jesus ascends to glory. 
That's what we're focusing on today. And that ascension becomes, in a sense, that the incarnation is the bracket beginning the first coming of Jesus. The ascension is the bracket finishing the first coming of Jesus. And he ascends. And we know that then Jesus will come again for a second coming, but that's the, that's the first coming of Jesus. And so what we, what we have to see is that, that Jesus then ascends before their very eyes, visibly, physically ascends. So in Luke chapter 24, and Luke, at the end of his gospel, and Luke at the beginning of his telling of the story of the church, because the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts are both, both written by Luke. It's part one and part two of the story of Jesus. The gospel of Luke is from the incarnation and birth of Jesus through his ascension. It's the very last thing in Luke. And then in the first chapter of Acts, which Luke writes, he tells again about the ascension and goes through the work of Jesus through establishing the church and the coming of the Holy Spirit, which will be the focus of next week's sermon. So listen to these words from Luke 24, beginning at verse 50. When he, Jesus, had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, don't let this sneak, sneak by you here, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Keep your brain there for a minute and hear how it finishes. Then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. Now let me be clear. This was not a thing back in the days of Jesus. People didn't just go up in the sky to heaven. It wasn't a thing that happened. It doesn't happen today. We don't even have, we don't have the capacity even today without planes or other things to just so you, you know, sometimes you read the Bible, you hear things, and you see pictures, and you had Bible storybook as a kid, and you just get used to hearing the story, and it doesn't blow your mind. This should blow your mind, right? He left them and was taken up into heaven. How did they respond? They worshiped him, returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. Now, when we talk about the first coming of Jesus, it's all bodily. The, the physicality of it matters. So the incarnation, Jesus came, the infinite God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit came, God the Son came among us, and he was enfleshed. He was really in Mary's womb, the womb of a virgin. When it came time for him to be delivered into this world, Mary had to do what every woman in all of history does, and that's push, push, right? That, I mean, Jesus was pushed into this world. This is God. He's, he's physical. Jesus lived his whole life. A physical life, a real life. He, he shared meals. He talked with people. When he touched people, they felt him touch them. Well, why do I say that? Because in the first century, there was a heresy called docetism. Based on, on a Greek word, dokeo, which means to seem. And the, do, the, do, the docetists said, well, Jesus seems physical, but he's not. He's just a spiritual being. One of the lines the docetists used was this. They said, when Jesus walked down the road, he left no footprints. What does that mean? He's kind of floating about an inch off the ground. He, didn't, he wasn't actually a real person. No, he was a real person. He, he was in flesh. He was, he was a physical person. So he, he had a, a bodily incarnation. He had a bodily crucifi crucifixion. When he died on the cross, he died physically. He felt the nails go through his wrists and through his feet. I once had a, a, this junior high girl named Trisha. And I was a year, this is decades ago when I was a youth pastor, early in my ministry, and Trisha had just become a Christian. She grew up in a non-Christian home, didn't know the Bible stories, but she had fallen in love with Jesus. And she had given her heart to Jesus. And one day she came to me after a youth group time and she said, she said, I think I know what Jesus did on the cross. Oh, this is gonna be great to hear a junior high girl talk theology, right? So I said, well, what do you think, Trisha, what do you think he did on the cross? 
And she said, I think he made it so he wouldn't feel any pain. I said, why do you say that? She said, well, he was God, right? And I said, yeah, he was God. She said, so if he is God, he could do anything. So he probably made it so he wouldn't feel the pain. Now, I think she was saying this for two reasons. One, she loved Jesus. And she didn't want to think about him having pain for her. And also, she was a junior high girl. So I think she thought, if I was me, I'd make it so I wouldn't have pain. <laughs> right? Right? So what do you say, you know, as, as, a, as pastors, you know, you people ask those kind of questions, but it's wrong. You have to speak the truth. So I really gently, I looked her into her eyes and I said, Tricia, I said, you have to understand something. I said, I said, honey, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he felt exactly the pain that you would have felt if they put nails through your hands and nails through your feet. And he felt all that you would have felt. Because I told her, because he died for you in your place. And her eyes just welled up full of tears. When you hear that, don't think, oh, what a mean youth pastor. You have to speak the truth. When Jesus hung on the cross, he died bodily. Why? Because he died in your place for your sins. He took your shame and your pain to make you whole. It was a bodily incarnation. He lived a bodily life. He died bodily on the cross. His body was buried in the tomb for three days, and he was dead. The soldier thrust the spear into his side, and the water and the blood came gushing out. He was dead. And on the third day, he rose again bodily. He was physically alive. He arose from the dead, a bodily resurrection. And then for 40 days, he hung out with people. He shared meals. He prepared breakfast for the disciples after a morning fishing. Read it in John 21. He showed up in rooms. The doors were locked, and he was there, but he was there bodily, physically. He walked on roads with people. He talked to large groups for 40 days. He appeared bodily. And then after 40 days, he ascended bodily, physically. And went back to glory. Why does it matter that, he, that, he, that he, he ascended physically, bodily? Because he left this earth. I once heard a theologian, a, a pastor theologian in the Reformed Church, who was a pastor, a theologian, and also he was a heretic. Um, I don't say that lightly. He taught things totally opposed to the word of God. But one of the things he said was this, and I'm going to throw this out at you, and imagine you hear someone saying this as a theologian and a pastor. And in your own mind, quickly do the work and figure out why this is bad theology. Okay, here's what he said. He said, you know what? If they found the bones of Jesus tomorrow, it would not affect my faith one bit. Work on that for a minute. If they found the bones of Jesus tomorrow, somewhere buried on this earth, it would not affect my faith one bit. Why is that a problem? Have you figured it out? Because if he rose again and if he ascended, there's no bones to find. And when you say that, what you're saying is, I don't believe in the resurrection and I don't believe in the ascension. And now what you, you've lost at that moment? Christianity. You've lost the Christian faith. But that's what he said. No, no, Jesus rose bodily. He taught for 40 days bodily, and he ascended bodily. And so we're going to walk now through Acts chapter 1. And in Acts chapter 1, in this passage, uh, I want you just to get a sense. Now, now Luke is, is kind of backing up a little bit. It's when Jesus is still walking on this earth during those 40 days, and we go to his ascension. And I want you to follow along, and we'll have it up here, and I want you just to listen. I'll give some commentary as we walk through the passage, all right? So Luke begins, in my former book, which is the Gospel of Luke, in my former book, Theophilus, and the, word, the name Theophilus literally means lover of God, so we don't know if that's one person, Theophilus, or if it means a group of people who like a church, lovers of God, but he says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach from his incarnation until the day he was taken up to heaven. There's the ascension again, right? After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit, the apostles he had chosen. 
After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days. That's the last 40 days that we celebrate in the church here till Ascension Sunday today. A period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's what we're going to focus on next Sunday. Where today we're at the ascension of Jesus, next Sunday the coming of the Holy Spirit, right? And so he says, um, baptize, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Verse 6, then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? You know what they're asking? Is this when we get to be in charge? Is this when we get power? Political power, military power. A lot of Christians are still asking that question. When can we be in charge? But, he, but they, they asked Jesus this. And Jesus says to them in verse 7, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power. Power is coming to you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, your immediate neighborhood. You'll be my witnesses in Judea, your broader community, greater Grand Rapids area. You'll be my witnesses in Samaria, the places you don't want to go. The other side of the tracks, the people you avoid. You'll be my witnesses, and you'll be my witnesses to the very ends of the earth. Now, verse 9. After he said this, he was taken up before their eyes, a physical ascension. He was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Have you ever had a balloon with helium, and you let it go? And you watch it, and you can see it, and you're like, then you kind of lose, oh, there it is, then you lose, there it is. And eventually it hits clouds or it goes out of sight. So Jesus goes until, until he, he's in the clouds, right? And so, so a cloud hit him from their sight. Now, now they're, they're still, and in verse 10, they're still standing there looking. He's disappeared. They can't see him. He's gone, right? They were still looking up intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. These are angelic beings, Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Now notice this. At the very ascension of Jesus, the end of his first coming, there's a promise of what? The second coming. And in between those times, the Spirit will come and be with us. All right? So that's, that's God's word. That's the text. Lord Jesus, we pray as we open your word today. As we think about what your ascension means, I pray that we will be filled with a fresh wind of your spirit, with a fresh commitment to celebrate your glory, with a fresh vision of what your ascension means, so that when people say we're celebrating Christmas, we would celebrate and get excited. When people say we're celebrating Easter, we would rejoice in your resurrection. But when we say we're celebrating the ascension, we'd be able to say, oh, what a day that was, and all that it means to us now. Speak your truth to our hearts today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the way I look at the ascension is this, that the victory is won, and this is the celebration. The ascension is like the celebration. So on the cross, Jesus says, to Telestai, it is finished, paid in full. The price for our sin was paid in full. The curtain was torn in two. That was done on the cross. When he rose again, he crushed the back of Satan and the power of sin and hell and death, and Jesus won. What's the ascension then? It's the after party. 
It's, it's the heavenly mic drop where Jesus goes, boom, I'm out of here. <laughs> right? I mean, how do you picture the ascension? How do you picture it? Because it doesn't say how fast he went up into heaven. I know how most of you picture it because you grew up in Sunday school. Jesus went up very slowly in kind of a frilly, floaty Jesus dress, you know, waving on his way. You know, you know what I mean? Like his robe kind of floating. You've seen the pictures, right? Those are those pictures. They were, there was someone there taking pictures, right? There's no pictures. It doesn't say how fast he went up to heaven, does it? So I'm not, and I, I had somebody at the first service trying to explain to me that he thought it was kind of, he went slowly. I, I don't know. My point is, I don't know if he, if he went really slow and floaty like this and was just waving. And I don't know if he, was, if he did like the kind of the, gone. I don't, I don't know. I honestly, and some of you go, well, that's, sac- that's sacrilegious. No, it's not. When the Bible doesn't say, we don't know. It doesn't say it took him 10 seconds or it took him an hour, but it, he, he ascended up into the clouds and he was gone. This is a moment of celebration. And we know what that feels like in life. There's times where we say, we, so, so you see a sporting event and a team that you care about wins. And then afterwards, well, they've already won. Why are you cheering and celebrating now? Because they won. It's the response afterwards. I hope from this point on, when you think about Ascension Sunday, you think about, this is a time of incredible celebration. It's sort of like when you text something to somebody, and you say, it's a girl. And then you put exclamation, exclamation, little baby girl, you know, emoji, uh, clappy hands, praise hands, smiley face, you know. It's like, it's, it's all that. That's the, like the woo afterwards, right? That's the after, it's a girl. It's, so, so, here, so if you don't have the picture yet, if you don't have the picture yet, I want you to, in a moment, you're going to watch the screen. I'm going to show you three moments from sports. And in each of these moments, what I want you to notice is that after it happens, after the victory, after the moment, watch the response of the people. Watch the celebration because of what happened, because that's really what we're talking about in the Ascension. Go ahead and watch the screens. 52 yards should be just a nice, comfortable nine iron for him. They're going to go nuts when he hits this thing. <laughs> That's Ascension Sunday. But, but it's better. It's better than that. So I want you to do something for me. Some of you grew up in church where like, you, you don't say a word, and you're very quiet, and you're very reserved. And if that's okay, and if it would really be painful emotionally for you, you don't have to join in. But I want to ask everybody else, uh, when I go three, two, one, go, I want you to give, like, if your kid got the game-winning shot in basketball, made the final touchdown, um, lacrosse, whatever sport they're into, you know, boom, you, the winning play, or the, like, the happiest moment of your life, the day you got that promotion where you were kind of real cool about it, and you went outside, and you went, yeah, you know, I'm going to go three, two, one, and I want you with whistling, clapping, or shouting 
We're going to have our version of that, and it should be better than the Red Wings, as exciting as that was, right? Three, two, one, go! Wow. <laughs> All right. Now, I'm not one to compare, but I gave the first service a B plus. I'm giving you an A plus, baby. That, that was good. That was good. Um, <laughs> um, I'm not going don't tell anyone from the, they were wonderful too, but they're just, a, it was a smaller group and they're, they're still waking up. Uh, but that's, that's the picture of the ascension. So here's what I want to do. I want to take some moments together and I want to think about two things. One, what does the ascension tell us about Jesus? What do we learn about our Lord Jesus, about who he is, about what he did from his ascension? And then what does the ascension of Jesus mean for us? Because it impacts our lives. If you're a note taker, you may want to write these things down. And so, because he ascended, let's talk about Jesus first. Because he ascended, he rules and reigns in glory. Because Jesus ascended, he rules and he reigns in glory. He is lifted up. He is exalted. Your Lord Jesus Christ, the only gathered to worship, he has ascended to the right hand of the Father. And he rules and he reigns in absolute glory. John has, gives us a picture of this in the book of Revelation, in the first chapter. And when you think of it, when you, when you read the book of Revelation, Revelation is best to be heard and best to be seen because it was a vision. It had smells and sounds and, and it just this, this incredible vision. But in this vision, John sees Jesus. It's in chapter one of Revelation. And you really almost want to see this picture. And so, so, so John says, John hears this voice behind him. And John says, I heard a voice behind me. And I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And he says, when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace. And his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. And coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. And John says, when I saw him, I fell, as his, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. That's our Jesus. Someone say amen. amen. I mean, that's our, that, that's our ascended Lord. And so he's ascended and, and he rules and he reigns. Because he ascended, he's exalted and worshiped. We worship the ascended Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, he came. Yes, he was born. Yes, he lived. Yes, he died. Yes, he rose again. But when he ascended to heaven, he is now in a place of absolute glory, and we worship him. We celebrate him. And so, and so when we celebrate him, listen to these words from Luke 24. This is, again, this is the ascension account from Luke, the last words of Luke. But notice the joy and celebration that come with the ascension, all right? Luke 24, 51 to 53. While he was blessing them, he left them, and he was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him. That was the response. They worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. 
Worship, joy, praising God, all in two verses. You get the point? The ascension brings celebration. So can I give you a suggestion? When you gather like this with God's people, bring your A game. When you gather like this, you come to worship the ascended, risen, ascended Lord Jesus Christ. Get to bed early the night before and get a little bit of rest so you're ready. Get here a little early and prepare your heart because we're going to worship the risen and ascended Lord. Amen? Amen? Because he's ascended, we understand that he is exalted and he is worshiped and he is lifted up. Philippians tells us that even though we choose to worship him right now, there will come a day when every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess, every tongue, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Someone say amen. amen. That we worship the exalted Lord. He has ascended. Because he ascended, I love this. He is interceding for us. He is interceding for you. If, if you say, well, what's, what's Jesus doing right now? Like right this moment, what's Jesus doing right now? I can tell you what he's doing right now. He's interceding for you. And he's interceding for me. Listen to these words from the book of Romans. Romans chapter 8, verse 34. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God. He's now ascended. He's at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Do you know that? When you are lonely, when you are hurting, sometimes you're lonely, but you're not alone. You're with people, but you're lonely. He's interceding for you. He's calling out on your behalf. When you're dealing with pain or uncertainty, he's interceding for you. Don't you, you, don't you love it when somebody, you're talking with somebody, you share something that's going on in your life, and they say, they say hey, you know what? I will be praying for you. And, and you know that they mean it. They're not just, sometimes people just say it. You, you know they mean it, right? What's it do in your heart when somebody says, I'll be praying? It's like, thank you. Or you, you're sharing a need with somebody, and, you're sharing the, and, and they go, can I just pause right now and pray for you? And they actually stop in the, in the moment, right? It's a great thing to do. Can I just, and they just pray for you. And you feel like, thank you, Lord. Someone's taking the time to pray for me. The risen ascended Jesus Christ is interceding for you. That should blow your mind. He's ascended, he's interceding, he's calling out on your behalf. Praise God. Because he ascended, he will come again. We're certain that he came the first time, he returned to glory when he ascended, but also it's right there, bound up in that same passage that we're told he'll come again. So again, back in Acts chapter 1, verse 11, the end of that text about the, the second telling of the ascension. So Christ has ascended to heaven. I'll go, whoosh, you can go, however you want to be, but he's ascended to heaven, right? And verse 11, we read this. Men of Galilee, these two angelic beings, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who was taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So, so here's, I mean, literally, incarnation, the beginning of the first coming, ascension, the end of the first coming. Jesus has just ascended, so much so that they're still staring where he's disappeared in the clouds, like straining to see where'd he go, where'd he go. That, that moment, these angels show up, and they say, hey, he's coming again, Right? You ever seen that connection between the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus? And in between that is the era of the Spirit, where then Jesus sends the Spirit to be with us and to be in us and to empower us. That'll be the focus next week, this little two-part series about the, about the going of Jesus and the coming of the Spirit, right? 
But, but because, because he's ascended, he will come again. Because he's ascended, he rules and reigns. Because he's ascended, he's exalted and worshiped. Because he's ascended, he's interceding for us. Because he's ascended, he will come again. But now, let's ask this question. Does the ascension of Jesus mean anything for us right now? The fact that he ascended, that he's seated at the right hand of the Father, what does that mean for you and me today? So here's the first thing we see from Scripture. Because he ascended, we can live in humble obedience. We have a power and a strength to live in obedience to God. Because the one who has ascended has sent his spirit to be with us. He's modeled how to live our lives. Listen to these words from Titus chapter 2. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. And then in verse 12 we read this. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. And to live, now this is the kind of life we can live. And to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, in this life. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So since he ascended before he returns again, in that time frame, we can live for him. And we can live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. He offers the power we need to live for him. And that's tough to do in this world. The current is not just going against the ways of God. The current is raging faster and faster against the ways of God. But when you understand that the ascended Lord Jesus Christ is with you and he sent his spirit to be in you, we can live for Jesus. Don't say, I I just can't change that part of my life that dishonors God. Say, ascended Lord Jesus Christ, you're interceding for me right now. You've sent your spirit to empower me. Give me the strength I need to search. Spirit of God, search my heart. Show me what needs to change and let me walk in fresh obedience to you. That should be the journey of our life, walking with Jesus. Because he ascended, we can walk in great joy. You can live your life even in the hard times. You can walk in the joy of Jesus Christ. In Luke 24, 51, we read this. And again, I want you to get this picture. I think you heard it before, but I want you to kind of hear it again. While Jesus was blessing them, this is right before the ascension, while he's blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they said continually at the temple, praising God. You can worship God, you can walk in joy, and you give praise to God. Not because of the bad things that happen, but because Jesus is with you through whatever you face. You have a source of joy that no one can quench, that no one can take away. It doesn't mean there aren't moments of tears. It doesn't mean there aren't painful moments of loss. But in the midst of it all, there is worship and joy and praise to God. Because your ascended Lord has won your salvation, has secured your eternity. And if you've put your faith in him, is preparing a place for you. That'd be a whole other thing we could talk about. What's Jesus doing right now? He's preparing a place for you. So that where he is, you can be also. Our ascended Lord is at work on our behalf, and we can walk in joy even in times of pain and sorrow and loss. Because he ascended, we are never alone. You are never alone. Even there's moments you're in a crowd and you feel lonely and you feel alone. There's moments some of you are online right now and you're still kind of shut down a little bit and you're going, man, I'm alone. Yeah, but you don't have to be lonely because you're not alone. He's with you. In Matthew 28, Christ, Christ, has now, Christ has now risen from the dead. This is before he ascends. And he's teaching his disciples. 
And Jesus says this in Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. There's that Christian living. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age until he comes again. He is with you always. You don't have to be alone. He's with you. When I first became a Christian, I grew up in a non-believing home. And I, almost none of my friends were Christians. And most of my friends, because I wouldn't do the stuff I used to do with them, basically said they were kind of done with me as a friend. It was a time that could have been very lonely, except for I knew I wasn't alone. And I remember one day, I was into street skating at the time. And I remember one day, I, I didn't have anybody to go out with. I wanted to go out street skating, but I didn't have any friends to go out with. It was always a thing to do with friends. So I prayed, and I remember I'm 15, almost 16, I'm a kid. I, I said, Jesus, I'm going to go out street skating. Do you want to go with me? And I went out, and Jesus was good. <laughs> He's just with me the whole time in my heart. But in my, you say, well, you mean he'd go with a, he would go with a 15-year-old kid who's feeling alone and remind him that he's not alone? Yeah. Wherever you are, whatever you go through, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Because he ascended, we have a mission and a partner. We have a mission. We have a calling. And we have a partner who will be with us. Acts 1.8. Now you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses. You'll share about me. In Jerusalem, right where you live. In Judea, the surrounding community. In Samaria, the tough places you avoid. And to the ends of the earth. All the world. You give towards and pray for Mission India. A part of the world that's in desperate need right now. And I asked the first service, Todd Vanek, who's been a friend of mine for probably 30 years, leads Mission India. And, and, and so you say, there, there, yeah, your witnesses through the people you support and pray for, your witnesses through the ministry that you partner with. We do that. We, we live out this mission. And so we're told that Christ will be with us and the Spirit will be in us. And so kind of part two, Christ ascends and he's at work on our behalf. But then the third person of the Trinity, the Spirit of God, comes in a unique way. That's next week. Lord Jesus, thank you for your first coming. Thank you that you were enfleshed, embodied. You came as one of us so you could die in our place for our sins. Thank you, Jesus, that when you ascended, you ascended in a bodily fashion. And thank you, Jesus, that even right now, you are interceding for us. You are preparing a place for us. You have your, sent your spirit to be in us and to guide us. And so, Jesus, this is our prayer today that we would be penalized for excessive celebration, <laughs> that we would live lives filled with your joy and your passion, with your gospel on our lips, your word in our minds. Lead us as people who walk in the presence of the risen, ascended Lord of glory, knowing that we are never alone. And Lord, as we respond right now, let our hearts be lifted because you deserve all the praise and all the glory.